Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast, where we focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow us for weekly content. All right, welcome back to Getting Past the Premium, everybody. I'm Elliot Bassett and joined with a good buddy of mine, Ryan Hanley. How are you, man? Dude, it's great to be here. Glad we're able to hook up and uh, excited to have a conversation. Yeah, it's it's been a while. Saw you out at uh, Indie Tech when you were on stage, but otherwise, yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah. And that was a quick one for me. I was actually yeah. on vacation. Oh, no way. But, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I was on vacation in South Carolina with my kids, my dad and his wife and left vacation. That's why I was kind of like, I wanted to stay a little longer because I thought it was a great event. But uh, it was kind of a pop in, pop out for me because, um, you know, the kids are like, Dad, you're going to be at the beach tomorrow. And I'm yeah. like, no, shit, I got to get back quick. So, uh, so that was a, it was a quick one. But I did enjoy that event. That was that was good. Yeah, that was good. I thought they did a great job with it. So, well, hey, I wanted to have you back on to talk about some of the new stuff you're doing or, or stuff that you're you're now putting out, I should say, on social media. I know you've been doing a lot of it for a long time personally, but uh, really helping folks, you know, reach their uh peak performance let's say but before we dive into that just give everybody that might not know who you are you know the background of of ryan hanley and uh and then we'll dive into what you're doing with finding peak yeah so uh, i've been in the insurance industry for 17 plus years uh started as boots on the ground producer for a single location local family-owned generalist independent agency you know i say you know, they are the cliche, you know, 65, 35 split with a little <laughs> bit of health and life. And um, but I mean, great agency, incredibly well won. It's actually my ex-wife's uh, family's agency. Uh, they still do my personal lines. I'm uh, even though we're not married anymore, you know, we're still fairly, mm-hmm. you know, friends, I guess you could say. Yeah. So so uh, they do a great job. But I learned kind of the traditional way that business is done. And my my uh, ex-father-in-law was a great sales guy, you know, just ground ground and pound uh relationship, after builder. relationship yeah. builder all the stuff you know always do a good job we had high standards and coverage etc so i got to see that side of the business and and that was great unfortunately just because of the way that i am and <laughs> and my kind of i always want to push the envelope i always want to try new things i always want to see what else is out there in terms of of not necessarily see what out there like grass always greener but like you know i wanted to implement more tech i wanted to expand our market i want you know there were things that that i was really interested in that were we'll call it intellectually engaging for me that just didn't align with them uh, my wife worked there or my ex-wife worked there her sister worked there her brother worked there and it was a family shop and they were doing great and they just saw no need to do those things which you know is their choice. So I moved on, became the chief marketing officer of trustedchoice.com. I built the agency nation platform. I put on both the elevate conferences, uh, grew agency nation from nothing to 500,000, uh, visitors a year in less than four years. I was fired from there basically for the same reasons. I wanted to keep pushing and doing stuff that, you know, they didn't want to do Went and worked for bold penguin for a little less than a year. Uh, that just, wasn't a great fit for me for a whole bunch of reasons um, and thought maybe the insurance industry wasn't the space and uh, uh, left. And and some of this is that I had to, I was traveling too much and I had to be home and they're just not a lot. Albany is not a bastion of insurance, <laughs> you know, opportunity. Yeah. Uh, there's some great agencies here, but you know, not just not like a lot of what I was looking for. So I became a CEO of a fitness franchise. I ran that 
uh, for nine months, grew their membership from 2,100 members to over 3,000 members in less than nine months, put on two locations. Um, We were actually crushing it, at which point the founder of that business came back to me and said, hey, you're doing a great job. We're making tons of money. You're my largest expense, so I'm going to let you go. And basically, I just reinvigorated the business for him. And then he looked at his expenses and said, yeah, I think I can I think I can manage this without this guy now and um, fired me. So I was fired again. And um, I pretty much felt like that was the universe telling me that I need to be an entrepreneur. Or I at least needed to control yeah. my own destiny. Uh, I, I every, you know, every organization that I've ever worked in, there's been friction and there has been just I like to push. I'm not a peacetime general. And and I don't mean that as a way of bragging. That's that's not necessarily that's a it's a it's a weakness or a failing of mine. You do not bring me in. Yeah. Yeah. And I just mean I mean that like I I think some people would would say, you know, I'm a wartime general and you know it's all about their ego. That that's not the case. I mean, trust me, my life would be significantly easier (laughs) if I could operate in stable ecosystems that are just looking for moderate growth and risk aversion. Like it, you know, that would be wonderful. Uh (laughs) I wouldn't have as much tumult (laughs) and have as high of therapist bills. But um, you know. It's just not the way that I'm made. You know, I wasn't, you know, when God made me, he didn't make me that way. I don't know. At, at 42 years old, I don't know how else to look at it. Uh, I've read enough books and done enough counseling, and this just seems to be the way that I am. So that being the case, I try very hard to uh, just be the best version of that that I can be, which is I'm the guy that you work with or you bring in or you listen to his podcast if you want to get better and you want to understand what that pursuit looks like. Um, and that's who I am. So, so now that I've kind of embraced that, I, uh, I, I, or I did embrace it. I launched rogue risk, which was, a, a national, which is a national commercial, small commercial independent insurance agency launched that, uh, March 9th of 2020, seven days before <laughs> the zombie apocalypse hit upstate New York. Um, but we, you know, and that Shut was everything brutal. down. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, I, I learned what it was like to just get absolutely punched in the gut. I mean, I put, you know, just under $50,000 into rogue with all the licensing and brand, you know, all the things that you need to get started with an independent insurance agency, which, which is not a cheap endeavor to start. A lot of people look at it and because it's kind of like professional or knowledge work, you know, white collar work, I think there's a general consensus that, that it's not an incredibly, it might take a long time to be successful, but it's not an incredible incredibly expensive business to start, but there's a cost to it. So I had capital in, I had time in, um, I'm working 16, 18 hours in my basement every day, trying to get this thing off the ground and COVID hits. And that was brutal. Uh, learned a lot of lessons, but made it through that. Uh, and ultimately we were acquired by SIA, the the parent company, uh, SIA, uh, as a retail agency, they were acquiring retail agencies at the time. And we were one of them. Uh, and I stayed on as the kind of founder and CEO of Rogue. I help out uh, with some of the leadership stuff that goes on at SIA at a national level. And, uh, you know, today I, I continue to do that. So, you know, my day job um, is, you know, CEO of Rogue Risk and continue to manage that team and and grow grow that book of business. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you've, you've certainly had a, a lot of experiences in and out of the industry, which I would imagine led you to do... Uh, what you're doing with Finding Peak. And so I want you to dive into that, but but I want to go back a little bit before you do to, to yeah. see if 
this mentality seems like it it is bred into you. But when you started Rogue, right, and the zombie apocalypse hits, you know, there's the there's a difference between a victim mentality and I don't know what the right word is, but a winner's mentality. I'm gonna go get it. Whatever happens, I'm gonna get through it mentality. And a lot of people in that situation, and a lot of people did during COVID, but particularly you just starting this endeavor would have had that victim mentality and said, like, woe is me. What am I supposed to do now? Like, I couldn't control COVID. Like, oh, man, I just need to go, you know, find a job, get out of this debt, do whatever I got to do, which is one way to look at it. The other way is, you know, brick wall just got put in front of me. I'm going to run through the brick wall and figure out how I how I get through it. Talk about just how you approach that and what your mentality was, what your, you know, where your mindset was and, and you know, how did you, because I know you had to change a lot of what you were doing, pivot, you know, just figure it out. So just talk about maybe your mentality more so in that time. Yeah. Now, I want to be clear that I had plenty of what was me moments. <laughs> Absolutely. But it, does, right? but I did not let it become who I am. And, you know, I think to explain why I feel that way, I have to go back to when I was a kid. I came from shit. Like, I came from a shitty little town of less than 900 people in, you know, a poor part of New York State. Like, when people think New York, they think New York City and these big buildings. I'm not from that part. I'm from the the sticks. I'm from the town that people used to say, like, you could leave your doors open because the criminals lived there. They didn't steal from there. Like, it was one stoplight in the middle of fucking nowhere, and it was poor. And, like, our town was part of a larger school district. So, like, we were the outcasts, like, the the five or six kids from my town that actually went to the larger school of, you know, the the larger school had almost 2,000 people in it, and we're five kids. So, like, you know, we were outcasts, and it was, you know, people used to refer to my house as the crack house. And, and I'm blessed. My, I was blessed with a mom and a dad that loved me. And despite all their individual struggles that they had and the challenges that we had and not having money and they were then they got divorced and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I was very blessed in that I, I had two parents that loved me. A lot of people don't. And I think, you know, what I've learned is that not to get too tangential, but that is uh, you could be raised in a war zone. And if your parents love you, you got a shot. Doesn't mean yeah. you're going to make it, but you got a shot. It's the people who don't have that, that that I have a tremendous amount of empathy for because it's very, very difficult to build if you don't have some sort of foundation of, of love behind that. So I had that. That being said, I have had to earn every fucking thing that I have in my life. And I think people look at me and look, I'm six foot four. I'm in pretty good shape. I'm a white dude. You know what I mean? Like, Today, I make a good income, but I'm 42 years old. And like, I wore hand me down sweatpants until I was in sixth grade. Like, we used to shop at garage sales for clothes. Like, I would get one pair of sneakers that was less than $60 for the year. And I had to make that work. Like, you know, these are the kind of things that I was raised in. And like, I didn't have any advantages on any sports team. There was my dad wasn't politicking. You know what I mean? My kids play mm-hmm. sports today and it's all these dads are politicking. They're get the kids on these teams. The, I had none of that. You know, my dad worked on the railroad. My mom was a receptionist, you know, and they were divorced and, you know, and, 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 and all these things. And like, 
So I had to earn every friggin' thing, every step of the way. And every elitist, entitled asshole who I've experienced in my life has taught me how to maneuver around these people, how to smell them out, and that most of these individuals are soft as fuck. And that at the end of the day, what I am willing to do that most of the people listening to this podcast are unwilling to do is I will outlast you. I don't give a fuck. I will outlast you. I don't care. I don't care how much pain I have to go through. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care how many times I have to get fired. I don't care what happens. I believe in who I am. I believe in what I'm trying to do for my family and for the world and for the people that work for me. And I will outlast you. And that's literally my, that's, that's the superpower that I have that has been developed. That is not something I was born with. Yeah. Like I have had to develop this, this mentality of when you have no advantages, the only things you can control are in your mind. So for me, you know, COVID, you know, everyone else is crying about COVID. We were flourishing once, once we got through that initial period, yeah. right? Once we got through that initial wave of like, you know, we didn't, I launched in March. I didn't sell my first policy until May. I didn't sell my third policy until August. But then from Which was August, a pivot, right? I want to be clear. Like that wasn't yeah, how so, you, so you didn't we, start the firm as an online. No, no, we, we know. launched to be a digital middle market shop. I was going to be, I was going to basically, you know, most of the agencies in the greater area that I live in are all very traditional, well-run, good shops, but they're all hyper traditional. So I was like, okay, I know everything they do. And I know how to do digital. And what I'm going to do is come in and I'm going to carve out my niche being this high value provider who also has ease of business in their back pocket. And that was what I was going to do. Uh, it was kind of a mashup of Mick Hunt and David Crothers and my own kind of philosophy, as well as everything that I've learned from talking to 10,000 amazing insurance professionals all over the country during my agency days and bull penguin days, et cetera, and all the speaking I've done. And my going all the way back to when I was a traditional agent, right? So I was like, I was going to mash all that up. I came up with this idea of being a human optimized agency. And that was going to be our core. Well, when all these middle market shops shut down or middle market business shut down because they could, the only businesses that were left open were small businesses because they had to try to survive, right? So, you know, these businesses fought and fought and fought and stay open. If they were forced to close, they reopened as quickly as they could because they don't, you know, they don't have the war chest that a lot of these larger businesses had. So mm -hmm. I pivoted very quickly back into my roots of, you know, they ask you answer doing digital marketing, specifically YouTube and um, and focusing on small business because they were open. And that's what really turned a corner for us. And from August of 2020 to April of 2022, we put 175,000 in, you know, revenue on the books as a small startup shop, which I think, you know, is a, is a pretty decent number um, yeah. for a bootstrapped agency um, working small business coming out of COVID. I'm very proud of that work that we did. And, uh, you know, I had a team of four or five, I think when we sold. Um, so we hired people, we grew and, um, you know, we made it happen. I think that uh, going along with that idea uh, getting back to kind of some of the finding peak stuff and then I'll be quiet. Just been meandering here for a second. <laughs> um, you know, getting back to the idea of how I'm going to outlast people is that I also don't operate with any ideologies. 
so many people that I talk to and that I meet, especially in the insurance industry, operate every day with these ideologies of what's right and what's wrong and how things should be done. And I don't operate with any of that. I show up every day and I do shit and I watch it and the stuff that works, I keep doing and the stuff that doesn't work, I just stop doing. So I don't care. I I don't have any philosophical disposition towards one strategy or another. When I talk about doing something, I'm talking about it because I've done it and I've seen it work. Not because I think, you know, well, if you don't go out and hunt your business, then you're not a real salesperson. That's things I've heard, right? My clients don't shop online. Bullshit. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, just all of these crazy ideological notions of what's right and what's wrong. And it's like, you know, I need to, I, I do my best work face to face. Yeah. But does your client like that? Does your, mm-hmm. you might do it, but that means that's a failing on you. If you only do your best work in person, that's a failing on you. You know, that doesn't mean that's what your client actually wants. Your client might just be putting up with you because they they don't have a better option right now. So, like, you know, that's these are things that I think, um, you know, I've just and and none of this is like intrinsic, like brilliance or whatever. I've had to develop these things out of necessity to, to survive and to grow and to be completely and utterly unwilling to have my life dictated to me for better or for worse. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. And like, there's so much in there that uh, I think people can take away. And, and one of the things that I hear all the time too, everybody takes everything to the extremes, right? Of like, well, my cl- all of my clients don't want this or, or, you know, everybody thinks that or whatnot. And it's like, well, that's not exactly true. And what I, what I always talk to people is, you know, you're, you might've had a long-term client, right? Let's say you've had a client for 15 years and that client has been trusting you for something in their business, right? Their insurance or whatever. Well, they may not have searched out what else is out there because they're relying on Ryan and Ryan's got my back. And, you know, so they, they literally don't have a clue how insurance is being done different somewhere else that they might find more interesting for them. But the minute that they do that search or the minute that they talk to the other business owner or the minute that they, you know, learn that, oh, wow, I can do all this online and it's that much easier. And, you know, they they might want that. I'm not saying they do, but they might. And you're you can't rely on that 15 year relationship and just think, well, they've never done it that way. So, you know, why would they do it now? Well, you have to continuously find out and, and to your point, try new things, see what they like, see what brings value. And then do more of those things for your clients because otherwise, eventually, they're going to find somebody that is doing it differently that they find more appealing to them because business is evolving. Things are changing. And we can't, I just, I get so, I don't know, sick of hearing that like our clients only do it this way. It's like that might be because, and good on you for having a 15 year relationship where they never look, but they've been trained a certain way. And they only do it that way with you. It doesn't mean that's the only way that they do it. And they are certainly doing it a different way in other parts of their life. So, so that's the thing. So I have two thoughts and an example on this. So one, um, only small minded people talk in absolutes when I'm talking to somebody now, granted, there's a difference between comedic hyperbole and talking in absolutes. But when you, when you talk to somebody who is seriously making a point, with absolutes like all of my or every time or never, 
understand that they're most likely a small-minded person. They operate from a place of scarcity and that you're not going to change their opinion until they have to change their opinion. You're not going to change their opinion. It's yeah. not even worth having those conversations. I've had so many conversations with insurance professionals. You know, there are few people in this industry who have had as many diverse conversations with insurance professionals as I have had. Uh, my work at Agency Nation for four years was to have thousands and thousands of conversations with different insurance professionals from every part of this industry. So <laughs> when you get when you get these people that talk in absolutes, understand that one, if you're their competitor, they are ripe for picking. Yeah. Because if I know you only do business one way, I know how to beat you. That's one. Two, most people are fucking lazy. So there are so many people who love um success porn but have but it's just that it's it's just like regular porn instagram it is a, lifestyle it is a shallow um a shallow version of the real thing and they watch a meme or they listen to a talk but then when it comes to it they eat fucking cookies they don't go to the gym they don't read right they binge netflix uh, you know, I mean, they they don't do the things that are actually going to get there. Like, if you want to be successful, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And I actually wrote, um, and I know we're going to get to Finding Peak in a minute. I have a news <laughs> for those. It's a newsletter and a podcast kind of combined to Finding Peak. We'll get to it in a second. But I wrote an article the other day about how uh, easy is should basically be a filter for you're doing the wrong thing, right? Like. If your relationship with your spouse is easy, you are not trying hard enough. And I don't mean hard like fighting. I mean, are you thinking about that person? Are you actually listening to that person? Are you? Yeah. Are you are you showing them? Are you, you know, an idea like I just got uh, I just (laughs) I just had a woman break up with me uh, a couple of months ago who I was uh, very fond of. And I don't necessarily understand why. And I probably never will. Um but I put a lot of thought into so I, I everything I do when something bad happens, I dive into why it happened. I become very self-reflective. I always want to be a better version of myself. So when I make a mistake or something happens that I don't understand, and and again, I may never understand why she just, you know, whatever, whatever happened. I I don't want to get into that. But like I don't understand completely why it happened. And I can't point to like a thing that I did because I'm not a cheater and I don't have an alcohol problem or whatever. There's all this kind of classic things that most doofy dudes do that piss (laughs) women off. Although what I found, and for all you women listening, you date the worst fucking guys. Like being nice (laughs) is really hard now that I'm single. Like it's really hard being nice because women don't want that. They want the fuck up that they can try to fix and then bitch to their friends about. It's brutal. And all of them are like, no, Ryan, that's not the way that it is. And it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, struggling with that. Experience is different, but, yeah. But, um, but, here, but <laughs> that, that's kind of, I'm just trying to be funny, guys. Um, the truth is, I did a lot of research on this idea. And I think this goes for more than just relationships. So, so take this for this, and then we'll expand it. Um. I was talking or I was listening to uh, I had the opportunity to see Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson with yeah. 12 years of life. I had the opportunity to see him live and I'm a huge fan of his. And part of this event that I was at that he was at, he did his kind of thing at the beginning, which was amazing. And then uh, one of the highlights of my year for sure. And then he came back out and with the host of the conference, he actually sat with the host of the conference and and his the the host's wife. And he and they talked about relationships because so much in business. Like if you don't have that rock with you, like if your spouse partner isn't 
you know, isn't solid, it is very hard to be successful long-term. Things start to fall apart. So to me, and one of the things that in, in my future version of myself, I really want to work on is whatever, when I, when I do have another partner in my life, and by partner, I mean female, that, you know, I want to make sure that I'm as good as I can be in that relationship because that allows me the best I can be in the other things that really matter to me. Okay. But he said something that really, that really hooked me that I think goes for, for, for every aspect of our life. We all want to blame the other person, but are you worthy of that person's love, right? Think of a business partner. Mm. Are you worthy of your business partner's loyalty, respect, trust? Are you worthy of your kids' respect and appreciation, right? We, you know, we all say because we have some title that, that somehow we deserve something. Yeah. You don't deserve shit. You, if I've learned anything in my life, it's you get exactly what you deserve. So if your spouse hates you, you probably deserve it, right? If your kids don't listen to you, you probably deserve that. If your business partner doesn't listen to you or does things behind your back, you probably deserve it. Now, there's shitheads in the world for sure, but I actually think more often than not, um, the case is that we do not take personal responsibility for the person that we are and how we present ourselves to the world, yet we expect something different in return. So like if like when I show up at a conference, right, I am fit, I am attentive, I look good, right? I look like I give a shit, right? Maybe you don't like the way I dress. I don't, I dress very preppy. So I'm, you know, it's whatever <laughs> it is, It'd be, you know, but, but like, you know, I show up when I go to speak at a conference, like, like I want everyone to know I care. I want them mm-hmm. to know for better or for worse, whether you like my performance or not, I cared about being there because I do, because I do care. Right. I want you to know that I put thought into what I was wearing. I put thought into what I was saying. I put thought into how I, when I show up, how I enter the room, how I engage with people, how I move around the room. Right. I put thought into all of it because I want people to respect the work. They don't have to necessarily agree with all my ideas, but I want them to respect the work. If they don't respect the work, it is more often than not the case that I didn't do my job. Maybe I showed up. And I wasn't prepared. Maybe I didn't, um, you know, I got a late start on the day and kind of just didn't get there in time or uh, stayed out too late the night before. Yes. Anything, There's, you know, (laughs) which I which I don't do anymore. And on this purpose, but I used to do right. I used to do that. And like, so for all those reasons, I didn't deserve their respect. And that is a very hard thing for people to, to think about. But if you can start to frame your brain more around. Am I worthy of this thing? Have I done the work? And if the answer is yes, and that person still isn't given to you, then yeah, maybe it is on them, right? Maybe they have their own insecurities, their own problems, et cetera. Maybe they just can't give you what you need. But we step number one should always be, whether it's making making our cold calls, our sales, you know, if we're a salesperson for, for an insurance organization, you're bitching at your boss about, you know, comp structure. Did you make a hundred calls today? Mm-hmm. Did you put every piece of business you possibly could on the books to, to to warrant a discussion around your comp structure, right? Did you, you know, are you presenting your risks that you're create that you're uh that you're 
want proposals for, are you presenting them to the underwriter in a way that demands that you're a high quality professional, that you care about placing this business, that you care about that underwriter's time, that you're actually doing the right thing? Are you presenting in that way or just sending them 10 piece information and going, give me a fucking quote? Yeah. And then when they when they bottom pile your your uh, submission and you and then you start bitching about it, it's like, yeah, they bottom piled it because it looked Early. like a hot pile of garbage when you submitted it. So like, I know I kind of started this around relationships, but when you expand this concept out to, to what matters in our lives, it's all about thinking internally first. Am I worthy of this thing that I want? Did I do the work? And if you can answer yes, hand to God, yes, this was the, in my current state, the best version of what I could do for this thing. And you don't get a result. Well, sometimes that happens, but I'll tell you more often than not, you get exactly what you deserve. And if you put in the hard work and you treat, you know, you do exactly what you need to do in that situation, you're going to get back what you actually want. No, I couldn't agree more, dude. And I think it, it is very applicable though to our industry. I know we're, we're applying this to a lot of different facets of life, which is also the point of finding peak. But, you know, I hear a lot people in a competitive situation trying to get a piece of new business, you know, and they don't win it. And it's like, well, geez, that they were Everything was just pretty buttoned up. You know I mean? They, they were with a good carrier and coverage was good. Like there just wasn't much we could do. And man, I just beat my head against the wall. Like you, you're missing the bigger picture here. Like we didn't show that client enough value to do business with us over what they're currently doing. That's on us. That's not on them. That's not on the other agent who, yeah, sure. Might be doing a good job, but you know, we have certain things in place that, if if done correctly, if we put in the work, should allow us to nine times out of 10 find something that that other agent isn't doing because to your point, our industry uh, isn't innovating and isn't doing new things and isn't bringing value to a client. We just have to uncover them. That's, a, that's an us issue. That's a thumb, you know, point the thumb, not the finger issue. Yeah. But it drives me nuts. I hear it so often around whether it's in the industry, in our company, in our four walls, you know, we just... We just had a piece of business that we do the benefits for and we're, we're working on the PNC and you know, it, we just got the no. And it was like, well, why, why we should have had a leg up. They know what, they know how we operate. They know what we do. Well, they were just, they're buttoned up. Our competitor agency is doing a good job for them. And it's like, oh man, once I hear that, I know that we yeah. didn't do our job yeah. enough to, to give that client a reason to do business with us. I'm reading a great book by Cameron Haynes. Uh, if people haven't heard of him, it, the book is Endure. He's if he's not the top bow hunter in the world, he's one of the top three, I guess. And I don't know bow hunting, so yeah. this is this is what I've heard about him, not my own knowledge. Um, he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast a bunch. He's run hundred mile ultra marathons, two hundred mile races, and he's brought down, I guess, in the bow hunting world, some of the best, you know, kills each year he's like right there and and he's got this great book it's called endure endure uh, and it and uh yeah e-n-d-u-r-e -E, endure oh endure. Uh, yeah i got it got yeah it, got i'm it. probably mispronouncing it i'm saying it kind of like endor like yeah. uh this is star wars <laughs> endure yeah um uh it's a great book and you know in there you know he talks about like if you don't want to be the best then you can't be upset when you don't get the results that you want, right? And I'll tell you that I have read, I'm doing 75 hard right now. 
uh, which if people are unfamiliar that you can Google it, it's a mental challenge. It's not a physical program. Although if you follow the program, you will get fit. And, and reading is 10 pages of a book. I mean, I probably read 50 pages of a book a day, if not more, but, but you know, I'm reading 10 pages at a minimum. So I've been reading a lot of books. And what's interesting as I read these books, there's a theme that gets pulled through all of them. Uh, just to list a few of them, 10X is easier than 2X. I would highly recommend all of these. Uh, there is no plan B for your A game. That's a tremendous book. Um, the One Thing, Brandon Bouchard's High Performance Habits. I read uh, uh, Miyamoto Musashi's The Five Rings. Um, I'm reading Endure. Um, there's there's others. It doesn't matter. The the one the one the one idea that pulls through all these books from all these high performers from all these people who've interviewed or researched high performers. There's one idea, and it comes back to, and and I'm going to use it in context of what Miyamoto Musashi said, who's one of the greatest samurai who ever lived. He wrote this book 600 years ago. You either kill the guy or you don't. <laughs> right. Simple as that, yeah. Right? So you either shoot the buck or the elk or the deer or the bear, or you don't. You either make the sale or you don't. You get the girl or you don't. There there is this idea in our culture today that trying is the goal, and it's not the fucking goal. Like, yes, you have to enjoy the journey or you don't get there. I, I, I hate that cliche, but to be honest with you, the older they get, the truer it is, right? If you don't enjoy the work you're doing on a day-to-day basis, if you don't enjoy talking wonky coverage, if you're not reading policy forms, if you're not reading sales books, and I can give the audience tons of great sales books if you want sales books, like like if you're not investing yourself in the core skills and ideas of, of what it means to be an insurance advisor or salesperson, then you don't deserve those results. You don't deserve them. Yeah. That's the point. You 100%. don't deserve them. You don't deserve the, to 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 win the 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 face to face battle as a samurai. You don't deserve to shoot the elk. You don't deserve the big account. You don't deserve uh, that incredible woman that you met at the gym. You don't deserve them if you're not putting in the work. You can't be upset about not getting those results. Every single one of these books, from Kobe Bryant. To Michael Jordan, Tim Grover. If you read about Elon Musk, if you read about Steve Jobs, if you read about, uh, oh, I always forget her name, but she's incredible. Uh, the woman who started Spanx, uh, some of the listeners will know. Uh, um, uh, she's awesome. Uh, another great one, if you're looking for females, is Cody Sanchez. Like, if you follow these, Mel Robbins is another amazing, uh, another amazing person to follow if you're if you're looking for a female voice. Like. Like, Sarah Blakely, by the way. Sarah Blakely. Yeah, Sarah I had, Blakely. Yes. I had to Google it because I couldn't Yeah, think Sarah it. Blakely. So like every single one of them says the same thing, right? In in what we do in life, there are winners and there are and losers. And the and and if you don't kill the guy across from you in a in a in a face-to-face duel in 1500s Japan, you die. Right? If you don't kill the elk, you don't eat. If you don't make the sale, you don't make the money, right? If you don't convince the girl that you're the one to be with, you don't have the sex. Like, whatever the thing is that you really want, you have to do the work to get there. And then you have to actually accomplish the goal. 
And um, I think it's that last bit that we forget. We make a couple calls and then Elliot comes in and we go, oh, you know, I'm working hard, man. And you're like, hey, how are things going? Oh, you know, I put a couple of proposals out today. You know, we're, I'm feeling good about it. That's not what I asked. How much in business did you do? Because proposals don't mean shit, right? Yeah. You have to do them, right? You have to, if you want to lift more weight, you got to do the reps. But if I don't pull the, the weight, I don't get the new PR, right? So like today is deadlifting day for me. And uh, that's a big day I, every three weeks. Um, uh, so I deadlift every other week and every once a month, I try to pull for a new PR, right? So so I have a bunch of other stuff I do in between there and it's just, it, it's my thing, it doesn't matter. So deadlifting is something that I really love doing. It's an exercise in which I, it's, it's, a, it's an exercise in which I score myself. Like mm-hmm. I score myself mm-hmm. on on how I'm pulling at that time. If I'm keeping in shape, if I'm properly fueling my body, I score myself. So I went for a new PR two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Um, no, a month ago. Sorry, a month ago. Because last time I didn't do that. So a month ago, I went for a new PR. Uh, my PR right now is uh, 435. And um, I went for 445. And I couldn't get it. Frankly, I couldn't get 425. Um, I got 415. Now, 415 at 42 years old, for a guy who's not a professional bodybuilder, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. But I didn't get the new PR. I didn't get it. So, like, yeah, I can be happy about the journey. I can understand. And now I need to evaluate, do some self-reflection, come back. I need to do – I think I need to do more squats. I'm kind of – I fucking hate squats. So, like, (laughs) I just – I tend to – they have a direct impact in whether – in the deadlift in terms of, you know – improving my deadlift i have to do squats and when i slough off doing squats for other activities you know my deadlift suffers so i didn't deserve the new pr because for the last few months i haven't been squatting like i should on the reverse days so like i guess i know this sounds repetitive but but the idea here is guys this this whatever you want in life it is simple just incredibly hard right pick a thing and do everything that has to be done to get that outcome right if you want to be a great husband like i would love to be and i I keep coming back to relationships but relationships matter to me right like i I feel like i'm doing a good job as a father i can always do better i'm always trying to improve but i feel like i have a good feel for how to be a good father for my kids right now and i work very hard at that i have had I've not had the most luck in relationships for some reason. I don't understand why. So I'm doing a lot of research. That's why it's on my brain right now. I'm doing a lot of research into, I want to be a great partner for someone. I really do. I don't want to be a fuckhead. I don't want the woman who I'm with to be like, this is the guy I'm with. You know what I mean? Like think about how we talk about our spouses. We talk about them like they're a fucking burden. Like, (laughs) you know, I don't want to talk about my, whoever my person is next I don't want to talk about them like I'm a burden. I certainly don't want them to talk to, about me like I'm a burden. You know, I, I know there'll always be moments, but I'm just yeah. saying in general. And so I'm putting work into that. I'm putting work into my physical body because look, there's no 80-year-old obese people. If you're fat, you will not live to 80. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if that offends you, but there are no fat 80-year-olds. You got to get your shit together. Like- it is not an, like, we all have different body types. We all have different metabolisms. 
However, if you are significantly overweight, it's you. You can eat differently. You can supplement better. You, you can drink more water, right? You can do some form of physical activity. And over a period of time, you can get your body in a shape where you live past 80. But if you are obese, which 60% of our population is, you will not live past 80. You do not have the same energy that I have. You do not have the same ability and mental dexterity that I have. And you have, and that's just point blank. You live with pain every day that I don't live with. And I'm not saying that to be an asshole. I'm saying in 2017, I weighed 30 more pounds than I weighed today. So, you know, I, this is coming off my own beats, guys. I'm not trying to be a jerk or say that, you know, I'm perfect. I'm not. I want to eat cookies and drink beers and chicken <laughs> wings and fucking French fries and burgers and shit, too. I love that stuff. But, like, I don't ever eat that stuff. You know, mostly I've tried to give up beer for the most part. I'm not drinking right now because it's 75 hard, but I've given up a lot of beer because it's just really bad for you. I do love whiskey and tequila. <laughs> um, but, like... So, I'm not, you know, and I'm not saying we need to be perfect or that we need to be Adonis's, you don't, you know, but skeleton, you know, again, these are things that I've skeletal muscle is incredibly important. Even if you're fat, build muscle underneath the fat. One, what you'll find is the fucking fat will go away. Oh, yeah. And two, you'll, you, your entire mentality will change, right? Your entire mentality. This goes for females and for males. The, there is there's some new research. There's a really interesting doctor. Her name's Gabrielle Lyon. I would put her, you know, she, some of her work is starting to get quoted by like Peter Atia and Andrew Huberman. So like really well-known health professionals. Yeah. Doctors. You know, not not yeah. fucking Fauci bullshit nonsense. Yeah. You know, we're talking about real people who know health. And her whole shtick is that. So there's been this longstanding. There's been this longstanding thing that your grip strength is your number one indicator of longevity. Yeah. I've heard right, that from okay. Tia before, yeah. Yep, Peter Tia talks about it all the time. Okay, she's kind of taking that to the next level and said, well, the reason that that indicator is what it is is because it signifies skeletal muscle, meaning meaning how meaning how much muscle mass do you have? Like, and it doesn't mean you need again, you don't need to be this huge jacked ripped person, right? You can have lean, you know, sinuous muscle mass that that looks good. You also don't have to be all carved up. And, you know, down to 10% BMI, but you got to have muscle. You got to have muscle to survive your body. As soon as you stop pressing your muscles, you know, what your body thinks you're fucking useless and you're dying and it starts shutting down. This is real life. Right. And, and so like by, by, you know, and I heard, I heard Tim Grover say this about Kobe Bryant, right? Tim Grover was uh, the trainer, wrote two amazing books, Relentless mm -hmm. and Winning. Highly recommend both those books. He also wrote a really cool, he, it's it's 500 bucks if you want to buy it, but I'm uh, I'm willing to pay to educate myself on these things. He has this um, uh, 10 video series that he's putting out. Each video is about 20, 25 minutes long around, um, around success, uh, you go to timgrover.com, check it out. I, I'm not like affiliated with it or whatever. I just pay for it. Um, it's really amazing. But Tim Grover was doing an interview, and this is what got me into deadlifting back in 2020. And um, he was doing an interview, and the guy asked him. So, so Tim Grover was Michael Jordan's personal trainer. And he, Kobe Michael Ryan, Jordan, right? he he says Michael Jordan paid me not to train him. He paid me to only train him. So Michael Jordan was his <laughs> only client. Michael Jordan would not allow him to train anybody else. And 
And when Michael Jordan got to the end of his career, uh, it was he was playing at the same time as Kobe Bryant. There's like some cool videos of when they faced off against each other and stuff. Kobe was obviously very young. But three years into the league, Kobe Bryant's knees were fucked. He 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 just he he couldn't move the same way. He couldn't jump the same way. And it was a problem. Like you, there's videos that you can go see where he's got these enormous ice bags and packs on his knees at the end of every game. And it was bad. So Jordan referred Tim Grover over to Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant, uh, so he does the evaluation. He comes back and, and the interviewer who's now asking Tim Grover, well, what did you do? And he goes, and he said, uh, and and this is not, I don't mean this to be offensive to the ladies because it's it applies to you as well. It's just what he said. Men need to move iron. So like all your running you do, that's great. That's not going to help with your longevity. Uh, your band work that you do, it's not going to help with longevity. It may help you, you know, get your cardiovascular system up, which is great. I'm not saying you shouldn't do band work or hit work. You you need to grab some fucking weights and move them. Mm. Squat, bench yeah. press, curls, shoulder press, Arnold Schwarzenegger shit. There's a reason <laughs> that Arnie looks like a monster at 70 whatever the freak years old he is, right? You hear him in podcasts, he still sounds tack sharp. There's yeah. a reason for that. It's not because he was gift. I mean, obviously he has he has the genetics that give him the ability to hold muscle in a certain way, but that mo- works yeah he still pumps iron tape. look at robert f kennedy <clears throat> robert f kennedy jr mm-hmm. right i mean one one you know i don't love everything about him but i love a lot about him the dude still d- bench presses and squats and does shoulder presses you, you we need to move iron we need to tell our bodies that i'm still here i'm still alive don't shut yeah. down yet and this goes for everything right do some hard shit yeah yeah do some hard shit like you should be in pain at the end of the day, right? Like right now, a good pain. Yeah. The other day, I I I I put up a new adult P, PR and bench of two fifty five, and um, that was a good. Uh, sorry, two forty five. Sorry. Um, I've done two ninety five, but I was a child. I was like nineteen years old. Um, so <laughs> that I was very proud of that. Right, two hundred forty five pounds at forty two. I was I was pretty proud of that. Uh, um, should be. And but. I woke up the next day and my shoulder was a little sore. And I was like, fuck, yes. I am glad that I am waking up at 42, not with pains, aches and pains because I'm a lazy shit, but I'm waking up with aches and pains because yesterday I moved more weight than 99% of dudes my age. Mm-hmm. And figure out what that thing is for you. That's I guess that's what I'm asking people, right? When I'm My message, finding peak, right? So I started finding peak. Uh, I've talked about shit in the insurance industry forever. And and if we want to do an insurance version of this, I could go with you for hours, man. You know that. Yeah. Um, And I love the insurance industry and I will always continue to serve the insurance industry. But what I've learned is that the tactics don't matter. I know dudes, look at Max Revenue and Mike Asalas. They're cold callers. I hate cold calling. They teach cold calling. If you follow what they do and you put into practice and you become an expert over time at what they teach you, you will make a ton of money. Yep. You can be incredibly successful following exactly what Max Revenue and Michael Salas tell you to do. They're both brilliant. They both know exactly what they're talking about. And their tactic, if you implement it, work it, and become an expert at it, works incredibly well. It's not for me, but if yep. it's for you, 
it fucking works. I can teach you how to turn YouTube videos into a never-ending stream of business opportunities. That's my thing. That's what I love to do. I do that over and over and over again, and I'm probably one of the best in the world at it. Um, just pick a tactic. Doesn't have to be my tactic. Doesn't have to be your tactic, Elliot. Doesn't have to be Micah's tactic. It could be you're the you love putting on mastermind events for clients that bring referral partners. And that's how you get business. And you become the best in your area, in your community, in your state, in the world at putting on little micro mastermind events that every one of your clients comes to and brings a ref- brings one referral. And that's how you do business. You, you pick one tactic and be amazing at it, right? So this goes for everything. Like my thing in weightlifting is deadlifting. My thing in 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 insurance is inbound marketing, right? My thing in speaking, I, I love to speak. I love being on stage. I love helping people. I have a very specific style and I work very, very hard at it, um, right? We pick these things that we want to be good at. Um, and then we have to go through all the pain that it takes to be really good at it. And there's tremendous and pain. And not quit. Yeah, not quit, right? That's the thing. I didn't get good at inbound marketing because I just woke up and was like, whoa, I'm going to do videos today. Yeah. Dude, I've created, I've wasted so much money and time and energy on shit that just never worked. I mean, it never worked. I mean, I would spend weeks on funnels or a landing page or all this stuff. And it would just never work. Not a dollar. Not one person would come in. People wouldn't care. Didn't matter. I've, the only reason that I'm as good at it as I am today is because I have just done it forever, 17 years in the business. I've been building this process that I now have that I can implement. You know, it's implemented in Rogue. I can implement it anywhere. Like it's, and it can work, you know, at this point, I bet it, it basically could work for any industry. I mean, it specifically works for insurance, but yeah. you know, um, and the idea is like, this is what people don't want to do. They don't want the pain, Right. They just want all the shit that comes after the pain. Yeah. And I hear a lot too. Well, the missed opportunity, right? Everybody wants kind of everything. And so it's like, well, if I pick this niche or if I pick this tactic to, to get business, I might miss out on something over here. You know, if I'm not at, if I'm cold calling, but not asking for referrals, I might miss out on a referral I could have gotten. It's like, well, that's, you know, it's very fair. Uh, agree with the sentiment, but at the end of the day, what what I've heard a lot of is, is doesn't mean you can't pivot, you can't try new things, you can't do new things, but pick one channel and do it for a year. Set a certain amount of time where you're going to give it everything you've got on one particular item and then evaluate where you're at. Don't even put your head up until you get to that point. Like we didn't really have a specific goal for this podcast. We wanted to help move the industry in the right direction where we felt we should be going as advisors and so on and so forth. But we were like, we're not even going to look at stats or anything on it until we hit like 100 episodes. And then we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll just kind of see where we're at. And I can't even tell you how many downloads we have. I, mostly I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people like you and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's put everything you've got into a certain area. And this applies for, you, you know, your, your tactics to get new business. It applies for your life. It applies for anything you're doing. Give it all you got for a certain period of time and then look up and say, where am I at? Do I need to pivot? Do I need to change? But too many people want to try 85 different things, you know, try to see what works. So I can tell you, you're going to feel like none of them work because you're not putting your energy behind any one of them. You're putting, you're yeah. trying to put your energy behind 85 of them. 
And I will tell you that one referral using that example I talked about earlier that you missed out on, you'll be 10 times ahead if you focused in in one other area to get, you know, to a certain point. Uh, because you're you're gonna get good at it, you're gonna get muscle memory, you know. And it's it's if you've ever heard of Mr. Beast, who's YouTuber, one of the biggest yep. YouTubers out there, talk about it. He's like you, you know. Talk to me after a hundred videos because your first hundred are gonna suck. He's like yeah, you'll figure it out. Like eventually you'll learn though that oh this thumbnail works and this works better than that and like how I do this resonated with people. But he's like you gotta just know that you have to get some muscle memory with it and then start to pivot, then start to do things differently that might get more traction. Mm -hmm. But at some point you just got to dive in with one particular thing that you're doing and go all in on it. You're hundred percent right, dude. You know, I'll tell you guys, it it probably sounds like I'm being a little preachy to to everybody today, but I got to tell you, these are all the things that I say to myself every day. Like I say to myself, you know, I have these little mantras that I say to myself every single day. Cause guys, I'm a, a maniac and i know that about myself right <laughs> i can fly off the rails at any time i have to i have to work at being focused i have to work at these things this is not i don't mean it to be preachy i know sometimes it can come off that way i don't mean it to be and i'll where i have to work on that in terms of my messaging but like the idea is this is literally what i tell myself so when i find myself and i've chased all the things too right this happens to everybody it's not that it ha- if, if anyone's ever tried meditation one of the keys to meditation is not to get mad at yourself. Like if, so if, if a thought enters your head or your brain starts to wander off what you're doing, it's to simply acknowledge that it happened, course, correct, and come back to center and start again. Right. It's you. So, so don't get mad at yourself, but get better and better at being quicker and quicker and catching yourself. So I'll say to myself now, sometimes like grow up, Peter Pan, that's my saying. Like when I find myself chasing too many things, I'll be like, that's, that's childish. Children chase everything they see, right? Children have short attention spans. Um, grow up, Peter Pan. I'll say, I'll literally say it out loud to myself. I mean, there's people around. I might not say it out loud, but like, you know, you should you know, just see the reaction. You I don't get. want people knowing I'm crazy. Um, but you know, I'll say to myself yeah. like that. Um, uh, another one I say is, um, what you focus on is who you become. It's on my website. If you go to ryanhanley.com, you'll see it there. It is, it is. My core mantra in life at this moment is what you focus on is who you become. If I want to be a better uh, uh, partner to a female, I I have to focus on that. If I want to be a better leader to my team, I have to focus on that. If I want to be a better dad, a better fourth grade CYO basketball coach, which is another, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I have to focus on those things. And you know, what you focus on is who you become. If you focus on Netflix, then you're a lazy fucking Netflix watcher. If you focus on eating shitty food, then you're you're going to be a fat fuck. And that it all what you focus on is who you become. And if you change your focus, and again, this is why I wanted to test myself. It's why I'm doing 75 hard. It's not easy. 54 days, two workouts a day. One has to be outside. No alcohol. I have to stick to a diet. No cheap meals. I have to drink a gallon of water. Take a progress pick, pick and read 10 pages of a book every single day for 75 days. And if you miss one of those things on one day, you go back to zero and have to start again, right? And I promised myself that I wouldn't do that. I'm 54 days in at this point. Some of these things are becoming second nature, right? And and, and so whatever that thing is, if you want to lose weight, right? If you want 
uh, if you want to be a better cold caller, if you want to be a better partner, a better dad, if you want to be a better listener, right? If you if there's a hobby, like you, you've always wanted to learn the guitar, you've always just kind of fucked around with the guitar and you really want to like be able to play some song, focus on it. And it's so simple. It's so hard. It's so hard, but it's simple. And yep. um, I think account there's a ton of tools that you can get, but I'd say find some mantras. I I, I used to think manifestation and that kind of shit was bullshit, but um, I've done enough research. It's like it's like if you believe in God. So I believe in God. I, I wear a cross. If people are watching, if I don't know if you produce the video, um, yep. I pray to God. I, I I'm probably Catholic, I guess, but it would be a hybrid version of Catholicism. <laughs> I guess I don't I don't love all of Catholicism, but but I read the Bible every day and um. I have found that for me, when I'm feeling out over my skis energetically, uh, I will slowly say the Our Father prayer three times to myself. And just, I have found that that brief connection, and I know that's not always exactly what the use case, particularly for the Our Father prayer is, but for me, saying those words, trying to feel connected to God for even the brief moment that it takes to say it three times, um brings me back into center, helps me recalibrate myself. And then I may say, yeah, when I'm done with that, I try to focus on the thing that I actually want and that actually matters versus what may have got me off kilter. And, you know, it sounds foo-foo-y or new agey or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I'm I'm telling you, it, it, it really yeah. does work. And I was not a believer. God, and not, <laughs> I was always been a believer in God, but not a believer in manifestation or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but I'd say today that I am. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Well, I want to, uh, make sure everybody knows where to find more info on finding peak. But I think the last thing I would kind of add to this is I oftentimes think people don't have a big enough why to put in the work to go get what they want to get. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a billion different people out there talking about exercises you can go through to identify your why. But, um, you know, I've done several recently through some groups I'm in, uh, that, you know, pick something that is so big, so what you think may think is unattainable, but that you really want to go do. And you would get to that point and you, you visualize yourself at the top of that mountain and you're like, holy shit, this is, you know, this is amazing. I never thought I could get there. And then if you go through an exercise to actually work yourself backwards of what would I need to do to get there. And and a shift that happened to me is what would the daily activity, what are the standards I need to do daily such that if I did those, it made that end goal inevitable. And that was a shift for me to say, to to reposition what I'm doing daily to help make that end goal inevitable. And when you think that way, like you actually look and go, man, well, if I did these five things every day, like that compounds to some big shit, that actually seems feasible after that, <laughs> but it keeps that that big enough why that would make that much of a difference in your life is something that will keep you going through the daily slog of life that does become difficult, and you are going to get hit in the face, and you are going to get you know take a step back. But it's important that you have that out there, and you can always see it, and you can always reference. You know, you're talking about using the mantras you use to recenter yourself to that. But I think that's so important and gets lost in everyday work or life, our industry, whatever it is. That that take some time to do that and figure out what those things are for you because they're different for everybody. Completely agree. Um, if you don't know what that why is, I find journaling helps. Um, journaling, yeah. I I have never had a consistent journaling habit, but I will tell you that in the moments when I needed it, like when I first uh, got divorced, 
I journaled every day for a few months. It it just barf the words. And what yeah. what's interesting is you're gonna see things in there. Not some people journal and write what they think they should be writing. That's not the way to do it. Just let the barf come out. Just <laughs> let it come out. And what you start to find is like what really matters to you and yeah. how you want to live your life. Sometimes it takes a little more time and effort, but journaling really helps. Uh, the best. I also got really good advice from a mentor of mine um, about five years ago. He said, go find a counselor and go see that person every other week for the rest of your life and just consider it a life expense. Hmm. Doesn't matter if you're good mood, bad mood. Doesn't matter if everything's amazing or everything's on fire. Set a meet, see that person every other week for the rest of your life or a person, you know what I mean? If that person doesn't work, you know, find someone who you can talk to and just, just go see them and talk to them. It is very difficult to see the bigger world when we live only in our yes. head. Yes. Very, very difficult. So by journaling and just getting it out of your face, by talking to someone, and I don't always think our partners or our best friends or whatever are the appropriate people. A mentor or a coach might be okay, right? If you have a mentor, you need someone who is emotionally removed from your day-to-day -day life, in my opinion. Um, call you, you on know. your shit sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And just <laughs> and just because look, like if 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 you know, if your spouse comes to you and starts divulging all their deepest, darkest secrets that they may or may not believe, but they just they had to get it out of their face, right? that it's tough to disconnect from wanting to support them or wanting to solve their problem. Sometimes you just need to fucking talk. And then when you hear it or in journaling, you see what you wrote, when you hear it come out of your face, you're like, yeah, I actually believe that. <laughs> yeah. I, it was in my head. It was a thought rattling around in my head. Yeah. But now that I hear it come out of my face, that's not who <laughs> I am. I'm good with that. And you can literally take these things, grab them and throw them away. And, um, but there's a lot of tricks. And again, so coming back to what you said, guys, uh, I created Finding Peak, this brand. It's a podcast and a newsletter. Um, uh, both are unique content. The podcast is conversations and, and the newsletter is comes out every Friday. It's Finding, Finding Peak Friday. Um, and the whole idea is that you can get tactics from anywhere. I want to talk about this stuff because this mm -hmm. is the stuff that brings giants down. Right. This is the stuff that keeps us from becoming giants, keeps us from being good dads, good partners, good, good business people, good leaders, the best salesperson, uh, great fundraisers for whatever charity matters to us. Right. Like uh, role models for for kids or, or whatever those things that are most important to us. It's this head trash. It's this bullshit. Yep. It's this this limiting thoughts that keep us from getting there, not whether I should cold call or not. So like. My point, you know, tactics are important, I guess, in certain situations, but I obviously really enjoy this. It is a mission that I'm on. It's made my life exponentially better. I was able to navigate a lot of very, very tough times um, throughout my, you know, 42 years and, and a lot even recently um, because I've done this mental and physical and emotional preparation. And uh, if this is interesting to you and uh, you like my style, uh, you can go to uh, ryanhanley.com so if you go to ryanhanley.com or you can go to finding peak it all goes back to ryanhanley.com and subscribe to newsletter subscribe to the podcast um if you have questions really great instagram or linkedin if you dm me in one of those places uh that's if you're into the social dms those are two places good places to connect uh, a lot of unique content in both forums uh linkedin tends to be a little more professional instagram tends to be a little more of the kind of 
professional development stuff. Mm-hmm. So appreciate the hell out of you, man. Appreciate the forum. And I hope your audience had a good time. Yeah. You too, man. I appreciate the time. I know you're busy and, uh, echo what you just said, you know, that I love what you're doing. And if anybody out there, I can, I can attest to what Ryan's putting out. It's, it's, it's great content. It'll, it'll take all of what we've talked about today and he hits on it in various different forms over time. And so check him out and, uh, we'll hopefully do this again soon, man. Absolutely. Appreciate the holiday, but be good. Yeah, me too. Thank you for tuning in to getting past the premium. We are excited to continue breaking down barriers finding solutions together. If you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode, find links and contact info in the description. Until next time, have a great day.